0: So, over these last few weeks, we have been in a series of messages called Loving Your Neighbor. And we're discovering what it means to truly live out the great commandment. Last month, we were going through a series where we talked about what it means to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in this part of the series, we're talking about that second half. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, for those of you who were here last Sunday, you, re- you might remember the pop quiz I threw at you. You weren't, totally weren't expecting that, right? Um, but it was a really good exercise. And I want to encourage you, if you, don't, if you weren't here last weekend and you didn't get a copy of one of these little magnets, just shoot your hand up real quickly. We, one of our ushers would love to put one of these in your hands to take home with you. And I'll explain to you what this was. This was our pop quiz last week. Just imagine in this magnet that your home is in the middle. Maybe you write your, your address in the middle there. And then these eight boxes around it are the eight homes or the eight apartments that are the closest to you. And the challenge is to see if you can name all the people who live in each of those homes or in each of those apartments. Some of you walked home with full, uh, a full magnet. All the names were filled in, and I was just blown away by that. Some of you h- realized you had some boxes to fill in in the next few weeks. And so my challenge to you is to, to fill this out, to stick this on your refrigerator, and to remind yourself of the homes or the people that you don't know yet and reach out and start making those relationships. One of the things I also really loved from last weekend was one, of the, one person told me how they went home and they remembered that quote that I gave about how love and busyness are incompatible, right? And so this one person went home and cut out a heart and wrote busy across it with a magic marker and drew a line through the word busy and stuck it on the wall to remind themselves every day when they woke up that love and busyness aren't compatible. Well, today we are continuing this series and I'm going to take a very different approach to this topic on loving your neighbor this morning than what I have done so far. And I want to start by asking you a question. Think about this for a moment. When would you say has been the funnest time of your entire life? The funnest time of your entire life, this, the season of your life, however, whether it's now or back in the past when you just enjoyed every aspect of it. For those of you who are my age and older, you're probably thinking backwards a little ways, maybe like to your college years. It's like, well, that was probably the most fun time because I had all these relationships and you know, we, there was a party going on every, pretty much every, every weekend, some of you maybe every night, right? Some of you may point back to a time when you were engaged or newly married and that was the, the funnest time of your life. You just enjoyed every part of it. You didn't have a whole lot of stuff to speak of and you didn't really care because you had this relationship and that relationship meant everything to you. But some of you might actually say this morning, you know what, this time of my life is the, most, is the, most, the funnest time of my life, bar none. And I want to ask you, if, if that isn't true of you this morning, if, if this time in your life isn't the funnest time of your life, then why is that? What's missing in your life right now to make it that way? You know, I was, when I think about this question, I think back especially to my mid-20s. When I was a new pastor and I had moved to Arizona, and I was basically starting all over. I didn't have any relationships when I moved here, really, so I was basically building relationships from scratch. I was serving this little church in Florence, Arizona. If you haven't been there, don't worry about it. You haven't missed anything. <laughs> and so the location wasn't much to speak of. I looked outside my front window and saw a big prison. That was my, that was my view uh, outside my home. And so I was working a lot. I didn't have much to speak of back in those days only had a couple pieces of furniture in the house, a bed and a table and a chair. That was basically it. But that wasn't what made that time the funnest time of my life. What made it for me was when I wasn't working and when I wasn't in school, I had this vast wealth of relationships around me. The people that I had met in this small town and in this church that just fed me. And we were constantly finding excuses to hang out with each other and to just enjoy life together. And we were doing that just about every single day. I look back on those days with a lot of fondness. I don't know why or how, but somehow along the way I lost that. Somehow along the way, I got a little bit more responsible. Maybe you'd say I got added a little more stuff to my plate, and my uh, circle of relationships started to shrink a little bit. The people I would hang out with on a regular basis, um, I started to get a little more insular as I was trying to be more responsible and to take on other things that I felt like I needed to take on. Maybe you found yourself in that place in your life as well. Some of us, we look back on those days when we were younger and we think, oh, it's great to, to enjoy life and to live a little when you're younger. But when you get older, you, you need to be more responsible, right? You, you need to take on more, more responsibility and you just have to put that fun side of life aside. Maybe when you're retired, that's when you can enjoy life again. I've heard that some people actually say, well, I didn't really enjoy life until I became a Christian. And then it's like, oh well, so what? What change? Well, I had to, you know, I learned that I, you know, I needed to live a life that was more fulfilling. But that didn't necessarily mean that it was going to be as fun as it used to be. Really, like God is some cosmic killjoy who just sees you having fun and you're like, like, stop that! Don't do that anymore. That's not what you're meant to do. Like Christianity is meant to be boring, right? Have you ever experienced people like that? They don't recognize that there are scriptures in in the Bible that talk about how there's parties that that are going on in heaven all the time. And what's more, Jesus himself enjoyed a good party. In fact, the very first miracle he ever uh, performed was, do you remember? He was at a party, and he decided to turn some water into wine. Now that sounds like a good party, right? Jesus really enjoyed each moment of his life with whoever was around him at any given time whether they were followers of God or not it didn't matter and should i my question to you is should our lives be any different you know oftentimes we talk about discipleship and how living the life of a Christ follower isn't easy it's hard and it's you know it's it's a challenge and you know each sunday morning we come together and we go into God's word and we talk about how we can stretch ourselves and how we can challenge ourselves to grow in our faith. and you know, Sometimes I think we lose track of the funness of life because we're always focused on the things that we need to do, right? The things that we need to do to be a, a good follower of Jesus. And I think sometimes we miss out on the fact that this life that Christ has us on is meant to be an adventure. It is meant to be full of joy and purpose and life. And we can lose track of that in all the duties and the do's and the don'ts. These years, I believe, should be some of the most enjoyable years of our lives. Why? Because Christ is in the middle of them. Today, here's what I want us to see. This is a message that will be quite different from things that you're used to me sharing with you in the past. And that is this. Christ's lifestyle modeled for us that we can love our neighbors well by celebrating and enjoying life with them. Whether they are those in our neighborhood, those at our workplace, those that we spend time playing with, etc. God wants us to enjoy the life that we have while we are here on this earth. And to give you an example of that, I want to encourage you to turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to walk through some of the stories in Luke 15 that Jesus tells there. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't, I'm sure you have a smartphone in your pocket, just pull it out. Go to, on your web browser to mygrace.church and you can click on the Sermon Notes tab and follow along with the Scriptures there. And what I want you to see as you're turning there is right before Luke chapter 15, you see that there's this story about Jesus is talking about the cost of being a disciple, how hard it is and that you, it, call, it calls for sacrifice. But right after that, right after Jesus shares this, about the cost of being a disciple, we have what I like to call in Scripture the party chapter. Luke chapter 15. Chapter fifteen, as you notice it, it's made up of three stories that Jesus tells. Three excuses that Jesus found to celebrate life, to have a party, to enjoy those who are around us. And he walks those through with those who are around him at that time, including the good religious people who'd think that this idea is crazy. So look at the very first verse of Luke 15, what it says. It says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now, I'm going to pause there for a moment. Isn't it interesting how Luke sets this scene up? He says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners are around. Not just sinners, but the notorious ones, the worst ones, right? I mean, you can just picture who are the notorious sinners be back in Jesus' day. I mean, these are like the, the drug dealers and, and the pimps and the terrorists of Jesus' day, and they're the ones hanging out around Jesus. And you see in verse 2... The good religious people, they think this is crazy. They don't like this one bit. What are they doing here? Why are they around here? Right? But you have to ask yourself the question, why are these notorious sinners hanging around Jesus? Is it because he's a really good motivational speaker? I doubt it. I'm sure he spoke well, but you know what? Look at Billy Graham. How many notorious sinners, how many drug dealers did you see following Billy Graham around in his lifetime? Right? You look at any well-known Christian speaker today, I don't see a whole lot of notorious sinners falling around. So, what's the deal here? I believe that Jesus, as we see in this chapter, Jesus understood the value of living life and enjoying it with all those who were around him. didn't care what their background was or what they were into. He found a way to just live life and enjoy life with those who were around him. And people were attracted to that. So, the terrorists and the drug dealers of Jesus' day, they're all gathered around him to hear him talk. And what does Jesus decide to talk about? Throwing a party. Now look at verses uh, 3 through 7 here. What you see in those verses is the first story it's the parable of the lost sheep. And Jesus tells about how this shepherd has 100 sheep and he loses one and he's, he leaves his, not, his 99 sheep behind and he goes out and he keeps searching until he finds that one sheep that he lost. And when he finds it, what does, it's, does Jesus say that he does? He takes that one sheep and he proudly puts it on his shoulders and he goes back to the village. And at that moment, Jesus says, He gathers people around him and he says, Rejoice for with me. Let's, have, let's get together at my house because I found my lost sheep. And I think, dude, it's a sheep, right? Why throw a party over a sheep? But Jesus is making a point here. And then you look at the next story. What's the next story you see here, uh, starting in verse 8? It's the parable of the lost coin, right? So Jesus is telling this other lost story about this woman who lost 10 drachmas or 10 silver coins, which back then, one of these drachmas equated to about a day's wage. So this was significant for this lady. This was a week and a half's worth of salary that she lost, and she is just pulling her house apart trying to find this money. And she finally finds it, and then what does she say? She's like, whew, that was a relief. Let me go get this money in the bank right now right? I mean, a few years ago, I lost my wallet with all my cash, all my credit cards. And my first response in that moment was, man, I just got myself out of a mess and I stuck a tracking device in my wallet so I would lose it again. I mean, I think I completely missed the boat here, according to Jesus. But she says, hey, come and rejoice with me because I have found this money that I have lost. Now, some of the people are probably looking at Jesus and thinking, really, Jesus? Throw a party over a coin? Really?" And then he carries it a step further. And this is where I really want us to look at today. Look at verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. A few days later his younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants had food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. I love how it says in this passage that the father was looking for his son and that he was filled with love and compassion and couldn't stop kissing him. The father didn't just say, hey, oh, you're back. Well, glad you're home. Feel free to go take a shower. Well, dinner will be on the table in an hour. Jesus says, no, this is a reason to celebrate. In fact, the dad says, hey, quick, let's go grab our neighbors. Let's put some meat on the grill. Let me put some really nice clothes on you. Let's celebrate because you've come home. I love how the end of this passage reads. It says, the, the father says, we must celebrate with a feast. Why? For this son of mine who was dead has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he was found. And then it says, so... The party began. Jesus was a partying preacher. He always looked for a reason to celebrate, to enjoy life, to enjoy the relationships that were around him. didn't matter who they were, what their background was, what their story in life was. You find something that's lost, Jesus says, hey, that's a reason to celebrate. Who's coming over to your house tonight? When, and when someone's life is changed, Jesus particularly points out here, now that is especially a reason to celebrate. His brother, the good religious one, didn't understand, why would we throw a party for this guy? But the father's heart is, let's celebrate. Jesus points out, even at one part in this chapter, that there's a party going on in heaven every time someone who is lost finds God once again. So, what are you saying, Dave, about these stories? What is this party chapter all about? Well, as I look at this chapter, there are three things that really jump out to me. Number one, I see that Christ is reminding us that it's important that we find whatever excuses that we can to celebrate life with those whom God has put around us, to celebrate life with our neighbors. If you want to live like Jesus, get people together to enjoy life and each other. Throw a party. That's God's heart. You need an excuse to throw a party? Let let me give you a few. Did you know that this month is actually National Dessert Month? (laughs) Anybody have any idea that that was true? I'm totally in. Are you? And, And on top of that, I mean, this is National Cookie Month. This is National Eat Ham, Country Ham Month, Eat Pizza Month, Popcorn Month, Pickled Peppers Month. Hey, it's National Spinach Month. I don't know who wants to celebrate that one. Any of you, any takers? Now, this, is, this is pretty cool. So, I mean, there's millions of excuses here to get together and just celebrate. Hey, let's get together. Let's have some pizza and cookies, right? Whatever. Did you know that next weekend there's a day, National Chocolate Day? I think that's pretty cool. And there's National Cat Day. I don't know why you'd want to celebrate that one. But that was on there just in case. And today is actually National Reptile Awareness Day. So if you actually look in the seat underneath you, under the, in the rack... <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, I wouldn't do that to you. Every day around the, around the desert here is National Reptile Awareness Day, isn't it? We run into one, no matter whether we want to or not. I also found out this month is National Book Month. And I just had this idea, you know, many of us, we enjoy reading books. What if we found an excuse to gather our neighbors together saying, hey, bring all the books that you've already read that you want to get rid of. We're going to throw a party. We're going to put them all in the middle of the table... You'll be able to just grab for free any books that you want. We'll eat some pickled peppers and pretzels together, and, and then we'll give all the books away to charity. You know, find an excuse to grab people together to celebrate. So oftentimes we wait until either somebody has a birthday, they get married, or they die to celebrate. I'm like, why? Why do we do that? There are so many moments, simple moments in life, where we can pause and enjoy it with those whom God has blessed us with, those whom God has put around us. And not just our friends, but those in our neighborhood that we perhaps don't know as well, and we're looking for that excuse to just build relationship with them. I even found out that there's, there, this is actually a holiday, International Talk Like a Pirate Day. I mean, the possibilities are endless here. You can just go on to church to your sermon notes, and I actually put a couple of these websites on there. It's like every day there's an excuse to throw a party. So uh, they're there for you. Now, you might think, Dave, what has happened to you? Have you just, like, gone off your rocker? Where are you going with this today? Well, I have to tell you, there was one one day in particular that really had an impact on my life when I was on sabbatical. It was actually an evening. Uh, My wife and my son and I were staying at a monastery in Montserrat, Spain. We were there to have this spiritual retreat to get closer to God. And on the last night we were there, we were having some good quality time together with God and we start hearing fireworks going off from right outside our window. And we're like, what the heck? What is this? And so we look. Teresa looks out the window and she's seeing kids running around with firecrackers and popping them over the place. So what do we do? Well, naturally, we call the front desk to be able to report what the heck's going on and ask them to stop this. And you know what the front desk told Teresa? I'm um, sorry, no, we can't. Why not? Well, this is Noche de San Juan Bautista, which is... This is the eve of St. John the Baptist's birthday. And so they make a party out of it at this monastery. I'm like, are you kidding me? The eve of St. Of John the Baptist's birthday and you throw a party and I'm finding out all over Spain, that's a, that's a big day. They throw parties and they shoot fireworks. And so I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I walk outside this little little apartment and I walk out into the main square where the big cathedral is and there's this humongous bonfire right in front of the cathedral and people are all around this bonfire dancing and having a good time. The monks had pulled loudspeakers out of their cloister and had put them into the middle of the square and they were playing Spanish dance music in front of the cathedral and these old ladies from the nearby village were just dancing around with these monks having the grand old time. And I'm like, what planet have I landed on? Like, is this really the monastery that I came to have this spiritual experience with? And that moment, God got my heart and it's like, David, do you see what's happening here? So oftentimes we can get so wrapped up in being so close to Jesus that we forget to live life and enjoy it with those that are around us, right? Christ gives us this life and it's a short one. And it is meant to be an adventure that we enjoy with him. And with those whom God blesses us and puts into our life. Those that we naturally become friends with. Those that God puts in our lives that we perhaps don't even pay attention to. Who live a couple of doors down or who work in the cubicle, a couple of cubicles down from us each and every day. Don't wait for the perfect opportunity to celebrate life with those around you. Find an excuse to enjoy life with those who are around you. Now you might say, well Dave... That sounds wonderful, but that just sounds like more work to me now how am i going to add that into, how am I going to add that into my time you don 't need to basically what i 'm asking is find the things that you enjoy, find the things that bring you life, and grab others with you to enjoy it with you that 's really all this is about there 's one couple in our church who 's actually in this service, and i won 't point them out because i don 't want to embarrass them, but I love this because they, they they have found a way to live into this they enjoy getting together with with neighbors and friends and playing board games. And so once a month they have board game night at their house. And I've come to that once or twice. I think it's awesome. It's one more excuse to grab some people together, have fun, and build relationships and see where God leads with that. We can use those things, those moments, to build relationships. One other great opportunity that's coming up in just a few days is Halloween. And so oftentimes we as good Christian people, we... Some of our nose at Halloween, we talk about how evil it is, and we should run away from it. And I'd look at it as one more wonderful opportunity to make relationships. There are people actually knocking on the doors of our houses. We're <laughs> not having to come to them. They're coming to us. And I, I can think back at times in my life in the past where I was just this old grouch, and I'd stick a bucket out in the front door for them to get it. Where I didn't have to come to the door to say hi to them. How right? I many of you have done that? You're probably not going to want to raise your hands. <laughs> right? But, I mean, think about it people are coming to our door, we have another opportunity to build relationships with our neighbors. But so oftentimes we just ignore it and we let it pass by. What if this Halloween, rather than sticking the bucket out in the front door and, and turning all the lights off so no one knows your home, you grab some chairs, put an abachi grill out on your front lawn, start putting some food out there and making a space for your neighbors to just gather and build a relationship or two and get to know each other. I mean, what does that look like for you? To just open your door, open your patio a little bit and build relationship. Maybe you can use that as the perfect opportunity to get to know that crotchy neighbor next door who's always irritating you or the, the neighbor who you're always irritating, right? And build relationship. Recently I read this quote and it was so good I thought I'd share with it share it with you this morning. It says, "It's so easy to draw negative conclusions about the neighbors we've only glimpsed. An unkempt yard, a slew of tattoos, a weird haircut or loud music, it can all cause us to make assumptions about people who live around us. It's these very assumptions that keep us from befriending them. But what if things could be different?" What if we took the time to get to know the people next to us and discovered that they aren't so menacing after all? Perhaps we'd find that the people on our block are normal people just like us. They go to work, they hang out with their kids, and they put their pants on one leg at a time. At the end of the day, they long for a place to belong, a place to be accepted and cared for. They want to do something significant with their lives, something that really matters what good things might happen if you truly got to know the people in your neighborhood and they got to know you? You know, one great example of living this way, I saw a couple, uh, a video of a, about a Christian couple in Texas, Austin, Texas, actually, who have taken this idea and they've gone full in with it. I want to share with you their story. Take a look.
1: God can take us anywhere, and we're prepared to go wherever He wants us to go. But while He's got us here, we view this neighborhood as our long term mission field.
2: We've been married for, gosh, what, 12? 12 years. 12 years, and we've lived here in this lovely house in Circle C for eight.
1: As we got to know the neighbors, like right off, we knew we were going to love getting to hang out here. There were just a lot of people that were very welcoming when we got here. Everybody was quick to come over and greet us.
2: I think one thing that we're real sensitive to is how much we're leaving our neighborhood. So just being available, being here, being present, being willing to go out front and throw the football, or um, gosh, gardening, or whatever it is that helps get outside and connect with the neighbor. We got this old school projector, and Brandon used his old school laptop and we would play play movies. And we just pull has it. Has it
1: changed much? Is no, it like it new has. school? It's,
2: it's, getting oh, good. Okay, it's good. So we would just play movies on our on our garage door and all the all the kids would come. We'd say movie night popcorn, it's so simple.
1: During the movies the kids will get sucked into the movie and then the parents kinda of back off and just sit around kind of it's the perimeter fine. and talk and get to know each other. It's just really yeah. Great. Lots of great memories, lots of great conversations.
2: Brian and I are pretty intense. We're pretty intentional. We come off strong sometimes, so we have to kind of, we're like, so, do you love Jesus? Do you go to church? Do you want to come to our Bible study? And they're kind of like, oh, you're crazy.
1: We had one situation where a neighbor came over and, and was kind of caught off guard by some of the conversation topic, the directness about Christ and and kind of reminded her of maybe church when she was a kid, and it kind of left a bad taste in her mouth.
2: And it was a big mess up. Like, it just really was. And we were like, whoa, we did not, that didn't go the way we wanted it to, and God still used it. Like, he was still like, I'm bigger than this, and I can still use something that was out of control or maybe messy. And it was the coolest thing when she came over one day after she had gone to church, and she said, Becca, I get it. Like, I get it. And then it's been neat to kind of help walk walk through her growth and it's hard. It's hard, right? It's hard for me and and I, I think that's what I always remind her of. I'm growing too.
1: So a lot of times we would spend so much time controlling conversations and making sure things would happen that we, we thought would, would foster, you know, a good environment. Actually when it's when we backed off a little bit and realized we're not in control and the Holy Spirit is in control. There's a lot of relief for them and for us. And yeah. time and time again he's just convinced us that we need to get out of the way a lot of times.
2: I think one thing we have struggled with is feeling like, okay, we have to have it all together before we can let people in. And I think I would just encourage people, it's never going to be perfect. This has been our eight-year journey, and God has given us this gift and opportunity to really um, get to know our neighbors, and we've been willing and available, and that's how God's wired us, and we're so grateful for it, but we are still wrestling and figuring it out.
1: God's humbling us on a regular basis. It, it's not easy. It's it, it's human beings. It's sin. It's brokenness. It's, um, it, it, it's messy. When I think of Christ and what he's done for me, it, it actually helps me pursue my neighbors uh, in kind of an unconditional, relentless way, kind of like he pursues me every day. We really do feel called to view our neighborhood as a mission field. It's a place that is um, without Christ. People look different here than they do in other parts of the the world, but they have the same needs. They have the same hurts. They have the same life struggles that I think the gospel applies to.
2: My long-term vision is that everyone on the street is saved, Mm -hmm. and I pray for it. I am praying for their salvation, and Mm -hmm. I think God can do it. Like, I really, really do. It's kind of exciting just to talk about, because I'm like, He can do anything.
0: Isn't that a refreshing perspective? I mean, could you you picture yourself in your neighborhood being that couple or being that person, that one who just finding whatever excuse you can to grab people together, to just live life? Could you imagine that maybe God has called you, he has put a calling on your life to love your neighbor's? to love those who are around you, to relentlessly pursue them and show them what unconditional love and grace looks like. You see, I believe, and this is my last point this morning, Jesus' ultimate advice for us about how to throw a really good party is this. Find ways to go overboard, surprising your neighbors with unconditional love and grace. Jesus was good at being at grabbing people together and enjoying life, having a party. But the way he did it best is when he reached out to people who didn't feel like they deserved anything, and he just went totally overboard showing them love and grace. We see this in Matthew's life, in Matthew chapter 9. He gathers together Matthew and a lot of Matthew's notorious sinner friends, his tax collectors' friends, and they just they enjoy life together. And many of Matthew, that's Matthew's changing point in his life that something happens to him in that moment we see this in Luke 10 with Zacchaeus right Zacchaeus is hiding in a tree just trying to listen to what Jesus says and Jesus calls him out it's like hey party of your house at lunch I'm there did you know right and he's like excuse me you know Jesus goes over and spends time with Zacchaeus and just lives life with him and before the meal's done his heart has been so touched by that act of love and grace that he's like I'm changing my life here now And this is what I want us to see. The more ways that we find to build relationships with our neighbors, the more we will know what's going on in their lives and the more open doors God will give us to show them unconditional love and grace. Because sooner or later, stuff's going to get hard in those neighbors' lives just like it does in yours. And there's going to be those moments when people feel right next door to you, alone, frustrated, confused, discouraged. And if you're ready... And if you've invested in that person's life, there's going to be that open door there where you can shower them with love and with grace. And that they can see Jesus in that moment in you. I'll close with this. Uh, Recently, I heard a story about a guy, a speaker who flew to Hawaii to speak at this conference and while he was there, he was having jet lag, and he was having trouble getting adjusted to being all the way out there. And he was, uh, found himself awake at 3 o'clock in the morning in his hotel room, hungry, unable to sleep. So he decides to walk out, and, and there was this greasy spoon that was right next to the, the hotel. He walks in, orders himself a donut and a cup of coffee, and he's sitting there in this diner all by himself, just him and the owner, when all of a sudden eight or nine prostitutes walk in to the diner. And they sit down, they start ordering stuff and talking with each other. And this speaker is, over, is listening in on their conversation. He hears this woman who he comes to know is named Agnes. And she's talking about, hey, tomorrow's my birthday. And I'll be 39 years old. And they're like, yeah, that's awesome, that's awesome. And then somehow the conversation goes on and she says, yeah, you know what? I've, I've never had a birthday party in my life. No one's ever thrown a birthday party for me. Not when I was a kid or a grown up or anything. Just, I don't even know what, that, what that's all about. And this speaker's listening to this. And he's like, here's one of those moments. So he walks over to the, to the uh, owner of the diner. He says, did you hear that? He's like, yeah, are you talking about Agnes? Yeah. He says, and so the speaker looks at the owner and he says, what if we just decorate this whole diner out tomorrow night and throw a party in Agnes's honor? He's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He says, I'll go out I'll buy some streamers and some, and some stuff. You know, I'll get a gift, you know. And the owner's like, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. And he says, I'll, I'll bake a cake. And so, you know, the, this speaker shows up at this diner a few hours before when he would expect these guys, these, these ladies to come. You know, the owner puts the word out on the street that there's going to be a surprise party for Agnes, for this lady in the community that night. Everybody come to be a part of it. And to make a long story short, 3 o'clock the next morning, Agnes walks in and everybody yells at her, surprise, Happy birthday. And they put a cake in front of her and tell her to blow out the candles. And she's so overwhelmed, she says, I can't do this. And she runs out of the room. And she does come back a few minutes later, but she had never experienced love and grace in that way. And th- so this, this guy who had came up with this idea, this speaker, he was like, now what do I do? And he turns out he was, he's act- he was actually a preacher. And so he was like, well, I guess I'm just going to pray. And so he says, would you mind if we just pray right now? <laughs> he didn't know what else to say. And so they start praying for each other. And then the owner looks at this guy and he says, what do you do for a living again? And he says, okay, I fess up. I'm a preacher. And he says, the, the owner looks at him and he says, what church do you go to? <laughs> and he had the perfect comeback line in that moment. He said, um, I, I don't want to mess it up. He says, I preach in a church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3 o'clock in the morning. And And the owner says, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. There is no church like that. That kind of church doesn't exist. He says, if there was a church like that, I would go to a church like that. And the preacher said, wouldn't we all? May we be a church like that that doesn't focus so much on learning the Bible, although that's important, we're supposed to do that. But we can get so focused on doing all the right things going through all the spiritual emotions that we forget that life is short and that it is meant to be an adventure, to be enjoyed with those that God has blessed us with and put around us. May you be the kind of person who knows how to throw a good party. Luke 15 reminds us, if you want to live like Jesus and help neighbors truly see Jesus, start by having fun, including them, and loving them. After all, That's what Jesus would do. Would you pray with me?